I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the 147 podcast with me, sports MC Phil Seymour, and him, the former Triple Crown winner and snooker world champion, the magician, Sean Murphy. Borada Croiso, good morning and a very warm welcome to Llandidno in Wales on quarterfinal Friday of the Welsh Open. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. Great to see you. How are great, you? Great to see you too. We're actually together in a hotel room and what... Uh, sorry... We, no, yeah, Sorry. We, we're, we're recording together in a hotel room. We are not together. <laughs> but I do room. like you. I, I have to say, yeah, you know, yeah. I've, I've got to like you over the years. but Just um, not in that way. Perhaps not that much. What a night last night. What an incredible evening last night. The return of Super League. Warrington Wolves beat the Leeds Rhinos. Um, <laughs> what a night of sports, Johnny. Amazing, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. And... Um, Listen, just incredible. Uh, I'm still buzzing about it, to be honest. Like, still buzzing. Um, absolutely, like, my phone's gone mental over the night. And For anyone that wasn't watching the Welsh Open last night, Sean played a last 16 match against Daniel Wells. Daniel, by the way, who knocked out Judd Trump in the afternoon. Um, Sean won 4-1, but in doing so, scored a one four five break, and in the very next frame, achieved snooker perfection with a one four seven. It was... It was class last night. It was incredible. And for that like little burst of, I don't know what it was, because uh, I stole, cleared up to steal the first frame, the 145, as you say, uh, the 147, like that burst of 35, 40 minutes, whatever it was, that's pretty much as well as I can play the game of snooker. You know, I've been putting, I've been playing for 32 years. That That's about all I've got. 
Um, but as I said to someone last night, you know, for, for mortals like me, like we sustain that for 40 minutes or an hour. I mean, that happens regularly in practice, that type of thing. Stephen Hendry did that for 12 years. <laughs> he just always played like that. So it was, it was, um, it was, it was incredibly enjoyable, as you can imagine, to sort of experience what playing at that level, you know, was like out there on the match table, table one, centre stage. Uh, to do it when it mattered most was was very rewarding. But of course, you know, it'll, it'll all be for nothing if I don't uh, regroup today and go again. And I'm, I'm playing this afternoon uh, in in the quarterfinals. And, uh, you know, the, the test for me now is to kind of try and bring myself down a bit, you know, because I've got a match to go and play this afternoon and um, I want to put in another good performance. Is, do you try and bring yourself down or do you try and keep yourself there? Are you... Are you- do you feel like when you when you're playing like that you're in a zone and you need to stay there or was that a massive high and now you've got to just just bring yourself down reality check and go again how's it work yeah I, th- I think it's a bit of both it's a bit a little bit of everything but it's obviously such an abnormal thing to to <laughs> sort of do that you know the 145 followed by the 147 like my instagram's gone off the charts twitter's been very busy the phone you know it's my whatsapp inbox is full um <laughs> But I'm here to try and win the tournament. You know, I'm here to try and obviously came here to solidify my place in players next week. I've done that. I'm here to try and win the Ray Reardon Trophy and uh, again. And, uh, you know, I've also got one eye on the Tour Champs now. You know, I'm cl- trying to slowly but surely trying to climb into the top eight for the Tour Champs. So there's there's lots of uh, there's lots of sort of moving targets here this week. Uh, but as I say, you know, it would be it would be pretty poor now to sort of have had the highs of yesterday and then put in a bad performance today. I don't want to do that. So I guess it's a case of trying to, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And whatever I'm doing, try to um, try to carry it on. Well, it certainly wasn't broke last night, that's for sure. Just let's give me a, a, a window into the world a little bit, because most of us could never dream of, of a 147 or, or anything like that. Um, what's going through your head? Because I mean, I'm, I'm watching on TV, and you got to like the, the fifth or sixth red with... with five or six blacks, and I'm watching thinking it, it, it could, you know, this, this could, but I'm looking at the table thinking, yeah, it's still a bit mad though at this point, and the commentators have started talking about it. In your head, are you literally just focused on win the frame? And then and then when you get to that stage, you think, right, now I'm going to try and stay on the black. Because you look to me like you were going for that from early doors in that frame, but I could be completely wrong. Well, what had happened was... Uh, Daniel and I, we'd had a little bout of safety play and the reds had become really well spread. And I came to the table um, with a red over the pocket, black available to both pockets. And I went and had a look and I thought, I can play a, an exhibition style shot here on the red to top it in and the top spin reverses and holds the cue ball for the black. Or I can play out for blue. And I think spurred on by the fact that I'd just made a one four five, my confidence was brimming. Uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it. See if I can play the shot. It's the killer shot. Um, and once I potted it and got on the black and potted the first black, which was probably one of the hardest shots of the whole break, um, I went for it from from then. I was I was trying for the maximum from then. And I think because I do so many shows and exhibitions and stuff, and, and things like that happen a lot on the road, um, uh, you become used to seeing them, you see those patterns of play. Uh, often sometimes you're in the break and you, know, you don't realise you're on a 147 till 48, 56, whatever it might be. But uh, last night, um, I saw the opportunity from the very first shot. And so uh, I'm going to put that as a little feather in my cap that, you know, uh, I saw it, went for it and got it. Um, I'm having that because uh, <laughs> I, I could tell you I've seen it before, gone for it and failed miserably, you know, early on. So um, I'm having that one. Yeah, you do right as well. Let's talk about the pink at the end. Um, now, 
I'm watching it. I thought, oh, God, the position on the pink looks... I mean, that was pretty ugly, to be honest. And the commentator, it was really funny. I can't remember who was commentating. I think it was JV and, and Ken. And um, Ken Ken said, oh, he's not in a good position on the pink. And JV said, well, unless he's, he's playing it to middle. And I thought, even if he's playing it to middle, that's still not a great position. And I, I don't know if you've seen it back or not, but you play the shot and it actually looks like the pink's high. It looks like it's going to hit the far jaw. And then the referee walked in front of the camera and I was sat there going, <gasps> and then of course I heard everyone cheer and I thought, oh, it has gone in. But when you actually watch it, it looks like one of those that it's going to miss, but you walk around the table because it's going to miss, just flick it in with your finger. Yeah. <laughs> as long as no one saw because the referee walked in front, it's fine. That, that pink must have had you twitching, did it? Well, it, it's one of those, you know, if you could have the clearance again, the brown was the bad shot. The brown to blue was poor. Yeah, uh, I was slightly out of position on the blue. Of course, in a 147, the pink's never on its spot. It's always pushed up the table. Uh, and um, the, the natural shot there is to pop the blue on and off the black cushion and up for the pink into the corner pocket, which Ken thought I'd played. Now, I didn't. I played for it into the left middle pocket. That was That was intentional. I probably went a ball's width too far for it to be completely comfortable. But because a lot of the crowd were listening to the commentary earpieces, there was lots of oohs and ahs, and everyone went, oh, no, he's gone. He's not far. So I'm walking around to the pink thinking, all right, lads, calm down. Everything's okay. Everything's all right. Um, but the pink was the pink was a little bit more difficult than it ought to have been. But um, it's not easy when you're shaking. You know, that's, that's my seventh uh, in, in competitive play. And they, they don't get any easier. Um, and I think the only thing that comes anywhere near to the adrenaline you feel clearing up for a 147 is clearing up to win a tournament. Uh, and potentially, uh, potentially the 147 is for a player is, is, a, is a bigger moment. Um, that was my first on BBC. Um, obviously, this event is a, is a co-broadcasted event with Eurosport and BBC Wales. Um, so it was really nice to do that. And uh, it's been a couple of seasons since I've been anywhere near a 147. Um, but yeah, the clearance was. Th- I was saying to someone as well last night. The funny thing about it is because obviously now I'm moving more into the commentary and the punditry, and you know there's a bit of banter backstage between us and this, that, and the other. Had I not have got it, uh, the I would have been severely destroyed. I know Stephen. <laughs> I know Stephen Hendry was straight on wishing me congratulations. But had I have messed up the clearance, he'd have been straight on. Don't worry about it. He'd probably driven here uh, just to make sure to tell me what a what an idiot I was. So you're under pressure because you know your colleagues are watching. You know your peers are watching. They're going to be judging you hard. Um, of course, all play stops in the arena once everyone else realizes you're nearly there. And uh, all those etiquettes are quite nice in snooker. Uh, and the roar at the end when the black went in, I thought the roof was going to come in. Um, and of course, like not not to go too sort of negative about it. Once you've done, you've then got the match to win. Yeah, you know, uh, it was no good making a one four seven and losing. Um, so I, I I had a chance to win the next round. I was just too giddy. I was just too excited. <laughs> uh, lost my concentration. I could see in the Eurosport bubble studio they'd put my chair in to interview me. They thought I was going to clear up and win. Two shots later, I've messed up. Daniel stepped in and cleared up, and I had to leave the arena and just say to myself, right, you know, that's great, but just regroup here and get this match won because if it goes 3-2, that's smelly. A word for Daniel. Um, he beat Judd Trump, in, Judd Trump in the afternoon. He sat down for two frames while you knocked in a one four five and a one four seven. I mean, that, 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 that's pretty destructive it, mentally. It's got to be. Got up and won the next frame. You know what? What a player that can that can do that can just regroup himself and just come back and and take the next frame like that. He's too good to not be on the tour, isn't he? Oh, hundred um, percent. 
he, he was awarded the Paul Hunter Scholarship uh, many, many moons ago, uh, which I don't think he's given out anymore. And, and it's a bit of a shame, really, um, given out by the Paul Hunter Foundation. <laughs> Uh, something that we we set up in Paul's memory, of course, many many years ago, and uh, his, his self, Adam Duffy. Didn't Lizowski get that as well? Maybe, possibly, yeah, so. possibly. Uh, and and there was a big thing made about Daniel. You know, da- Daniel was supposed to go on and become the next sort of big thing. That hasn't happened uh, for, for for lots of different reasons. Um, you know, he, he's had a couple of injuries, quite bad injuries. He turned up to play one tournament, I think, with his foot in a cast. Like you know, he, he had a bad bad way. He suffered really badly with lockdown, as we all did, but. He was one of the first players to test positive when we were doing the big testing right. regime in Milton Keynes. You know, was 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 out of quite a few events. And when you're just back on tour, those early matches, those early rounds are vital for points and stuff. So he really, really suffered with that. Um, and of course, everyone's really good. Um, you know, <laughs> aside from that, and snooker's tough. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The mental fortitude and strength, character to get out of your chair. You know, in boxing terms, I've just hit him on the chin twice hard. Uh, and he gets up and hits me back. Like, like the snooker players are tough, like, you know? Um, and I actually thought, because it gets forgotten about this, we, we are ultimately, as yourself, you know, you do your, your, your MC announcing as well, you know, around the world in your different sports. We are in the entertainment industry. Yeah, yeah. And um, I thought it was really good how in the fourth frame, when he got his chance, he potted a ball and he took the bow from the audience. There was a bit of an ironic cheer, but he took it and he took it in good spirit and he played along with it. I thought that was good to see. It was great, actually. Yeah, that was I, good. I, was, I was watching it. I, I know Daniel a little bit. Um, I've, I've met him a few times. He's, he's got a beautiful little girl and, and his partner's lovely. Um, he's a nice lad. Yeah. He's, a, he's a, away from the table, away from everything else. He's a nice lad. And... He beat Judd in the afternoon, which is a great result for someone that's not even on the tour to beat Judd Trump. I mean, that that's phenomenal, really, absolutely phenomenal. And he played very well in doing so as well. Um, for him to, to come back and, and get back into that frame, and like you say, to bow to the crowd the way he did was brilliant. The crowd yeah. loved it. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was lovely. I'd love to see him back on tour. You know, oh, let's yeah. f- fingers crossed Daniel can... Uh, can get himself back on. I think he was a bit of a victim of COVID. I, th- I think you're right. I yeah, think he was, yeah. He he was one of the first players to test positive. That did knock him out of a couple of tournaments. Um, and I think it really affected him. So hopefully, I think he was semi-final of the shootout the other week, I think. Um, he's done well here. Hopefully, this is the start of, of Daniel coming back on the tour. So, yeah, fingers crossed for that. Um, so what a wonderful night. It was. It really was fantastic. Um and that brings us to today, which is quarterfinal Friday. We're going to talk about that in a minute, though, because just to explain what's happened, okay, we started recording the podcast on Sunday night prior to the Welsh Open. We thought we'd get it done early. I was in a hotel in Leicester. You were in a hotel here. Unfortunately, we hadn't banked on the fact that Sean's hotel used a potato as a Wi-Fi router. <laughs> <laughs> With a couple of electrodes stuck in it. And... Um, yeah, we, we literally did 10 minutes and then Sean sounded like Norman Collier, one for the kids. Yep. Um, and it just kept happening. So eventually we, we called it a draw, gave up and said, look, why don't we just do it in Wales um, when we get there? So what we need to do is have a little catch up on the last couple of weeks, okay? Mm. Feels like we're going back a long way now. But German Masters, the final, Ali Carter against Tom Ford. Ali Carter won it 10 years after the last time he won it. What an achievement. Incredible. And um, shades of Alex Higgins, who won the World Championship famously for the first time uh, in 1972, followed that up in 1982. Um, I had a chance to win the World Championship in 2015, 10 years after 2005. 
Um, let that one go. Um, <laughs> and, uh, of course, Ali doing that 10 years after he won in Berlin was great. He's been to the final since then, it has to be said. He, yep. uh, he lost to uh, Anthony Hamilton. Um, uh, but but really great. I mean, I, I'm good friends with Ali. Uh, I've known him for a long, long time. And um, very classy player. There aren't many players who are better than Ali Carter, I can tell you. And I think I think he, his form does come and go a little bit. Um, do you know, I couldn't tell you why that is. I've got absolutely no idea. Because whenever I watch him play, his technique's great. His shot selection's great. I think he's a, such a classy cueist. Uh, he can pop with the best of them. Tactically, he's very strong. I've got no idea how he, you know, yep. how he loses. Frankly, when he's when his head's in the right place, I think, and I think to some degree, that's just snooker. You know, you need a, you need all these things, don't you? You need all those uh, vital ingredients and a bit of luck to be there at the right time. Um, and and he had that in in, in Berlin. Um, I thought it was a great great performance. And um, you know, in in the final, he found himself in trouble early on. I think Tom won the first two frames. But Ali, you know, obviously with the, with the issues he's had off the table, the health problems and cancer and all of that, you know, he's made a strong stuff. Oh, th- listen, Ali Carter's one of those players that you look at and you think, when you actually look at what he's achieved in his career, he's, he's had a great career so far. But then you start to think about what he could have achieved. And it's actually quite frightening because, you know, his, his career has been curtailed with, with illness, with, like you said, with cancer and, and different things. And, you know, what... What could he have achieved if not for that? But then I think that's probably given him some of the steel that he's got that, that makes him the player that he is now. Um, just to say on Ali, I mean, you said you, you're good friends with him. I, he's, he's a great guy. And I know some people have an issue with Ali Carter, okay? Whether it's his, his views on social media or whether it's him, the, the barge gate with Ronnie O'Sullivan at the Crucible. Whatever reason it is, I, I know Ali off the table. And I'll tell you now, he is the loveliest bloke. And he's a, he's a funny guy. He's a hell of a character, isn't he? Ah, he is. And, and of course, you know, that's the world we live in, isn't it? And, uh, you know, if you said nothing and if you if you lived under a rock on social media, like you'd get you'd get sagged off for not having an opinion, wouldn't you? And, yeah. you know, people would be saying, oh, he's boring and this and that and the other. He's definitely not boring. Um, he does have an opinion on most things. He's quite well read. He enjoys following politics and stuff, you know, away from snooker. Um, you know, he'd be quite up to speed with what's going on in the world. I, I don't agree with everything he says. Yep. I don't agree with everything you say. Um, <laughs> I don't agree with half what I you I don't say. agree with everything I say. He's, he's, a, he's a qualified pilot, you know. Did he you know is. he's a qualified pilot? He's, a, he's, he's a not, never mentioned pilot. it. Never mentioned, never mentioned it. it. Keeps that one hidden well away Doesn't from like him. to talk about the no, flying. Doesn't, doesn't talk um, about planes at all, doesn't Ali? He is a qualified pilot, though. He that's is. unbelievable, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely. Yeah. I actually have had a flying lesson with the man who taught him. Really? Yeah, it was incredible. We went to the airstrip. This is years ago. Ali had just got into it, and he says, "Come on, we'll go for a we'll go for a, a flying lesson." And he said, uh, "Mike will take you up." I was like, "Right, okay." So we sit in the thing, and the next thing, Mike's gone. Right, drive us off. I went, "No, no, I, I, I'm coming with you." And I remember he turned around. And he said, "Well, we're not going anywhere unless you steer and you can power the plane." I was like, uh, "He said literally," and he he, wow. he had me a few few practice goes up and down the runway, learning how to steer it with your feet using pedals. Because I've tried steering the, is it called the yoke or the, the joystick? Absolutely Whatever it's no called. Idea. I think I'm on the PlayStation. <laughs> and um, he said, yeah, no, you can't turn the wheels with that. That's for the wings. So I'm, you've got to turn it with your feet. And uh, we got to the end of the runway. He said, right, aim at that tree, full power. And when I say, pull the stick back. I was like, uh, have I signed an insurance waiver? And he said, wow. let's just go. Come on. So so 26th of March, and we're in Netheraven near Salisbury, about to go up for our parachute jump. And Ali Carter climbs in the cockpit. Are we scared or what? <laughs> Goodness me! <laughs> I wouldn't oh. put it. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't put it past John McDonald to do that either. Yeah. Just to draft Ali Carter in to fly the plane. I'll be jumping at. Oh no! 
are we are we definitely going to do this? We are. It's a future pathway. We, we can't back out now. John would kill us both. You know he would. I don't know. That might be preferable. And to jumping out of a plane? Actually, yeah. yeah. Between us, we might be able to take him. Yeah, you between us. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> not sure about that. Anyway, so Jeremy Masters, well done Ali Carter. Well done Tom Ford getting to the final as well. Great performance. Um, I had predicted Jack Lazowski would, would win the German Masters. Missed opportunity for Jack. He, he had a good run. Um, and it did seem to open up a bit for him. Um, people saying that, that people like me predicting it was putting pressure on him. I don't think that's the case at all. I think Jack's more than used to that. Um, he had a good chance there, though, didn't he? Yeah, there's no getting away from that. Um, you, you know, he did. Uh, and draws open up for you. You know, my first ranking event win, um, which happened to be the world title, you know, the draw opened for me. Yep. Um, I got through Chris Small in the first round, Higgins in the second round. Now, that was very difficult. I played Davis, who, with no disrespect, was on the decline, weighed on the decline. And then in the semis, like, it was the quarter was I was waiting for was Peter Ebden against Ronnie O'Sullivan. And uh, there's no question which one I'd much rather have played in the in the <laughs> semis. Um, again, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Peter at all. You know, I, but you'd rather play Peter than Ronnie. You know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. And I did. And, um, you know, you, whether you're a draw watcher or not, now, you know, I'm not these days. Um, and if you try to avoid uh, watching draws and, and, and checking all this stuff out... You can't really avoid it, particularly yeah. now in the world of social media. Now, people are out there telling you, people like you, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just on you all the time. So there's no avoiding it. But this brings its own pressures. But this is top flight professional sport. And you, you have to be able to deal with those things. You have to be able to go, yeah, this is a good chance. Right, pop that red. Get the cue ball on the blue. Right, pop the blue. You know, you have to just take one shot at a time. Um, but what, like, yeah, he didn't win, fine. But what an incredible season well, he is having. Know, it's just ridiculous. He just seems to... We should just... Do you know what we should do at the next tournament? We should just seed him through to the quarters. I was just... Because he just say, lives there, doesn't he? That's yeah. just where he operates now. I was just going to say, a couple of years ago, um, I think it was Kyron Wilson. He'd, he'd made the, at least the quarterfinal in every event. Okay? And it was one we were living in Milton Keynes. And... Um, I think he'd done like two semi-finals or semi-final and a final and then the next one he got knocked out in the quarters and I was there and there's a journalist on Zoom doing the Zoom interviews because of COVID and everything else and he said uh, you know quarter-final exit Kyron um, you've got to be disappointed with that and it, Kyron sort of looked at this guy and he went that's that, that's the worst result I've had all season and it's still a quarter-final you know I'm having an amazing season when you look at it I'm having an amazing and I know Judd's had similar conversations. You look at Jack's results this year, the, the Ebden effect is there, okay? He, he's, he's made an effect. Um, he's had an amazing season, like you say. He just hasn't taken that next step yet. And, you know, we can all say it's going to come. It's cliche, but cliches are cliches because they're true. Um, it will happen. It's going to happen at some point. There's just a lot of very, very good snooker players. So, you know, great season for Jack so far. I do still think he'll do it at some point. Um, but we shall see. Just on Berlin, though, the crowd's over there in the temper drum, or temple drum, as, as some people insist on calling it. Um, amazing. Can we, can we just talk about that for a second? I have to get this off my chest. <laughs> I have to. He's been told. Yeah, I, and, I, and I, Phil, if you're listening, Philip Studd, I, I really like you. I, I don't want to fall Great out with you commentator. at all. Great commentator, lovely broadcaster, lovely man. Please stop saying Temple Drum. Please. I beg of you. I beg you. I plead with you. Please. 
I don't know why. I think I actually think he does it to wind me up. Um, because whenever he says it, there's a few people on socials and stuff. They message me straight away and go, "He's he's at it again." I think he only does it because he knows it annoys me. Yeah. Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, I was gutted to miss Berlin. It's a very yeah. special event to me for for lots of reasons. Chiefly, you know, obviously the Brandon Parker connection. Brandon with uh, Thomas Cecil and the Dragon Stars promotion group in Germany put to the German Masters together. Um, you know, I was involved in that to a to a small degree, but Brandon was like a father to me. Um, you know, was a part of that event from its inception. Playing now for the Brandon Parker Trophy, uh, as I say, in an event that he created. Um, I found that very difficult being sat at home watching, you know, watching from afar. Um, and, and I really missed it. Missed having that opportunity to compete for that trophy, to see people who I've become friends with for a long, long time. A lot of the German fans, obviously the backstage crew, um, but they are one of the best crowds we play in front of all year. Yeah. And um, I was gutted to um, to miss out. So I promise you guys out there in Germany, uh, next year I will try doubly hard. Not that I didn't this year, <laughs> um, but I will give everything I've got to make sure I'm, I'm back in Berlin. Just quickly, of course, I've reminded myself as I said that, it does look nothing concrete yet, but it looks as if WST uh, are going to change things around for Berlin next year. It's now a seven-day event. Yeah, which is brilliant. I'm assuming that's because the format may have changed and they might only play the one qualifier or might it might become similar to the UK champs where the 16 are seeded through to the... I think that event deserves Yeah, and the home the nations stars. as well now, of course. They, they, you know, the matches are held over to the venue, aren't they? Um, fingers crossed. But I think seven days, moving to seven days in Berlin is a, a really, really positive stroke. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, people have been screaming for it for years. I, I think... Uh, you know, again, because I was so entrenched with Brandon and Dragon Stars and, and understanding what goes on into putting these events on, you'll have seen it yourself. You know, we turn the TV on and the event's on for seven days. World Snooker are in there for nine, ten days. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're in there two days prior setting up, a day at the back end taking the, the tournament out, deed rigging. You know, there's massive costs involved in these things. The Tempodrome uh, is a proper venue. Phil, did you hear that? Tempo Tempodrome. Uh, <laughs> it's a proper venue, that. And... Um, it costs a lot of money to hire these places. So there's good reasons why it's not been a seven-day event. Great to see that it is. And as I say, I will do everything in my power to make sure I'm there next year. Absolutely. So from the Temple Drum to Venue Crumbly here in Clandid. No, no Philip Stud, it's not. All right, Temple Drum, Venue Cymru, of course. That was the German Masters. And... While that was going on, over in Australia, with the World Snooker Federation were holding their, their junior and their full championship. The junior championship was, of course, won by your, your son, your yeah. lad. <laughs> Stan Moody, Mini Sean, has won a two-year tour card. How proud are you, Dad? Yeah, in- incredible, actually. Um, incredibly proud. Um, and this is going to sound... This is gonna sound uh, well, I can't even think of the word, but um, this is going to sound a bit twee. You know, we were sat there. Stan's got a great team around him, you know, from his father to his coach to his mentor to his psychologist to his the club owner where he plays and supporters and things like this. We're all on this WhatsApp group and we were all sat at three in the morning uh, watching uh, Stan, you know, on the stream, you know, wherever we were. Um, I was sat in Dublin and, you know, sat on the couch in the, in the pitch black of night watching this stream. Um, and you know what? I'm not embarrassed to say, as he potted the, the balls that won him and got him over the line, I had a tear in my eye um, because 
Uh, obviously, there's more than a passing resemblance between us. People have made that connection. Um, but I have really grown to love him, like, you know, and uh, it was it was, it was, was an incredible experience to somebody who you care so much about, uh, who I've become very fond of. Um, achieving his, well, perhaps not his life ambition, but one of his ambitions to become a professional player at such a young age and to do it with such style and panache. Yeah. Um, I was incredibly proud, uh, and I and I shed a little tear. It was it was an emotional experience. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to say, go down this road and not mention his opponent. You know, I, I thought Liam, you know, covered himself in glory as well. And I I think for, for for me, from my from my opinion, whatever it's worth, it's only a question of when. Yeah, not now if. We've, we've we've both mentioned Liam Pullen on on this podcast a few times. He's from York, same as me. Um. He, you know, I, I've I've got to know his mum a little bit. They live not not a million miles from where I do. Um, he spoke really, really well after that final to say he'd, he'd just been beaten in a a final, which would have got him a two year tour card. Um, a couple of years ago, he missed out at Q score. I think he was only like two wins away from a tour card then. And he is only a young lad. He, I think he's like seventeen. He started his A levels last year, um, and he, he'd said to his mum, "Look." I, I think I want to just focus on my snooker. And he, he came away from his A-levels and, and he's concentrating on his snooker. And he's one of those people that lives and breathes it, the same as Stan does, the same as you did when you, when you were that age. You know, he, he lives and breathes the sport. Um, he spoke incredibly well. There were very, very mature words he spoke after the final. I think you're right. I think it is only a matter of time before Liam gets a tour card and it will be great to see him do that. And... You know, people bemoan the, the, the future of snooker. Oh, there's no young players coming through and everything else. Well, Stan Moody and Liam Pullen, they, they book that. You know, they, they prove that that isn't the case because they're two very, very talented players. And make a note of those names. You know, Liam Pullen and Stan Moody. You know, we've seen Stan. We've seen him at the shootout. But Liam Pullen, mark my words, he, he will do things in this game, won't he? Oh, 100%. And... Uh it would be very easy to get a bit, oh, you lost the final and, you know, stand 60 and all this. They're only kids. Yeah, 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 um, very young. There, there is no rush at all. Um, I was on the tour at 15 at the time, you know, was the youngest ever. That's since been beaten. But, like, looking back, it was all about that. There was no rush to get on the tour. I, yeah. You know, I got on, I was booted off. The, the system was different back then, but... You know, you, you went back to Challenge Tour and learnt your trade and came back. There really wasn't a rush for it. Um, so if, if I'm in Liam's camp, you know, I'm saying to him, there is no hurry here. You, you, you're on the road. Uh, and the road ends when you hang your queue up in 30, 40 years' time. These are all just little curves and bumps in the road. You take the knocks with the, the you know, the rough with the smooth. Uh, queue school's just round the corner. Yeah. Um, get to queue school ready. Go through everyone like a hot knife through butter, you know. I, I, I'd be very surprised, and I don't. This isn't like a, a Jack Lazowski segment of putting pressure on <laughs> uh, young Liam, but um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't come through Q School this year. He, he's a he's a proper proper player. I'll, I would be surprised if within fifteen or sixteen months from now he's not got a tour card. One, one way or the other, yeah. I think in the next year and a half he 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 will get a tour card. Daniel Wells, another player, will get a tour card. Um, you know, it's and it, it's good to see these players developing. So, yeah, well done, Stan. Well done, Liam. Um, going to be great to see Stan on tour, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, th I just think um, it's obviously nailed on that we'll draw each other in the first tournament of the of the next season. Uh, that's obviously guaranteed, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but uh, no, I no, I I just and 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 and, and the, the the family, the Moody family, like you know, I'm so proud and I'm so pleased for them. 
it means so much and that's the that's the bit that people don't see you know you know as well as the emotional cost as well as the emotional investment you know we're both parents like how do you, you fit the time in you know, my children are only very little but you know you 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 you're giving your mornings up at the weekends take them to football or to rugby or their interest or whatever and that's only just starting your children are you know a bit older and you know it's not just that and the time and Im- the actual physical cost yeah, yeah. Of, of of supporting a young person's dream like a Stan Moody or a Liam Pullen or like, you know, the, the help I had as a young player. I wouldn't be sat here yeah. without the help of my parents and the help of some very, you know, generous sponsors that helped me out at the time. I wouldn't be here. And uh, it means so much. I'm so pleased for them all. Um, and Stan, you know, he now has the greatest opportunity in the world of snooker and good luck to him. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not forget, that was in Australia. You know, they had to get there. You, you don't get there for nothing, do you? And um, like you say, it's, it's the parents or the sponsors or whoever's supporting them that, that helped to make that possible. So, you know, he's got a great team behind him and, and fingers crossed it all comes good as it certainly is doing so far. Now we are here in Clandidno in North Wales. Um, first time the Welsh Open has been held in this part of the country. We've had always had events here. We've had the, the, the players of the Tour Championship up here. Um we had the Scottish Open, bizarrely, up here as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's always been in South Wales previously as the Welsh Open. And obviously there was a, there was a, an event, the World Grand Prix was in Cheltenham, which isn't far from South Wales. Um, but I know prior to this tournament, there was a bit of an argument, people down in Newport, Cardiff, Swansea saying, you know, not happy, it's it's moved away. But let's be honest, it's still Wales, isn't it? You know, it's it would have been, if you were in the north, surely it's unfair for you not to have a ranking event. I believe listening to Dave Hendon on the Snooker Scene podcast, um, he's let the cat out of the bag, so I can talk about it. I think there is going to be one in South Wales next year, um, and I believe there's still going to be one here. So who knows? But I'm sure all will become clear in time. But it's been very, very well supported up here, isn't it? The crowds have been brilliant. Yeah. Has to be, has to be said. Uh, but they always are here. Um, First time I came here to play was in the Premier League when that used to tour the UK. Uh, we came here for a Thursday night, packed. Uh, next time was here for the World Grand Prix, packed. Um, and it was here uh, three years ago. Um, what was it, two years, whatever it was. Uh, Mark Allen and I were getting ready to go head-to-head in the Tour Champs and we got the call to say the tournament was off. Yep. Uh, something called coronavirus had struck and uh, we were told to pack up and leave the country. Like I was I was told in no uncertain terms, get in the car and drive to the yeah, ferry yeah. at full speed because you might not get off the island. Were you here then? Were yeah. you in Clandidno? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so was I. And uh, literally got the call that morning. Um, I think Martin Clark or Paul Collier from WST rang me and said, sorry, the, the event's been cancelled. Because it was all over the news then. This, this thing called coronavirus was starting to spread and it was starting to come through Italy. And there was these horrendous scenes on the news and we were all going, oh. Then they were talking about Cheltenham was going to be on and the yeah. racing we were oh well that's happening so the snooker's probably on and it was it was uh actually no lads we, we, we're calling the event we've all got to go i'd been practicing at the venue the night before right. i'd been in the venue hitting balls but you know what just just hold that thought for one minute we're going to take a short break and then we'll be back to talk about just that i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to the 147 Podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's the words, at 147pod. Now, we were talking there about <laughs> when we are in Clandidno for the... Was it, I think it was a tour championship, wasn't it? Tour champs, yeah. Now, peop- a lot of people won't know this, but we were all here. Now... The Tour Champs started on the Tuesday. The Gibraltar Open finished on the Saturday, I think. Something, Either Saturday, something like that. Saturday or Sunday. So a lot of players had literally just flown back. Um, COVID was become well, it was a thing at this point. It was it was quite a big thing, and we we were all here. So we travelled down on the Monday, got here. Um, everything was set up in the venue, like you just said. You you were practicing, and and everything was okay. And then six o'clock, Boris Johnson goes on TV and they said no more mass gatherings. So this was like, I think it was about a week before the first lockdown. No more mass gatherings. So I'm sat here thinking, well, what? Which I thought was unfair because like I was playing Mark Allen and no one comes to watch Mark. (laughs) (laughs) That wouldn't have been a mass gathering. We could have got away with that match. And it was just like... Bloody Boris. What what, what do we do? So then the texts came, came around, the WhatsApp messages and everything else. Look. Tournament's still on. We're going to do it behind closed doors. And I thought, well, that's a bit weird. But anyway, so a load of us went out for a curry, and <laughs> as you do. So we went to, to a pub in uh, in Clandidno, and we went for a curry, had a few beers, came back, went to bed. Next morning, got up, breakfast, showered, put my suit on, went down to the venue, venue Crumbly, Philip Stud, and <laughs> I'm told this Pat from World Snooker Tour, and she went, Philip's off. I looked at it, I said, what? No, no, we're doing it behind closed doors. No, no, it's off. And apparently, I think it was ITV had, had turned around and said, look, all these players have just flown back from Spain. We're not we're not comfortable with our staff mixing with them and, and everything that's else. That's right, yes, um, that's right. Which, you know, looking back on everything that. else, that's, that's kind of fair comment. But So I was, I'm there in my suit at the venue. I've got all my cards written out, ready to do the announcements for the first matches. And I was just, I'm still there thinking, oh, so what do I do? And I think it was Nigel, the commercial director from World Snooker Tour. He said to me, he said, Phil, he says, just go home. Um, you know, we'll, we'll look after you for the week. You, you were booked. Um, go home and, and stay safe. And between here and York, my diary for the next six months yeah. vanished. Just Bad, isn't it? completely clear. Like you say, you were told, get back to Ireland or you won't be able to. And, and it was... So like literally go home. So a bit of a weird memory of coming here, to be honest. Yeah, um, very, very strange looking back at it. Um, I'd forgotten a few of those details. But yeah, I remember similarly to you, you know, I would got up that morning and uh, got ready. I was showered, got my, pressed my shirt, done all the thing, got my braces, you know, the whole thing. I was just getting ready, got the call. I was like, and I remember seeing the call come through and thinking, oh, why are they ringing me? Like, you know, as, as, yeah. as, as Mark pulled out, is, is everything okay? Or, you know, what? I hadn't even considered the event might be off. You live in hope, obviously. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> you know, do the reasonable thing. 
Um, and he said, oh, no, really sorry to tell you, but the tournament's off. And I was like, oh. So sort of was in a bit of shock, really. Um, also because I'd unpacked all my gear <laughs> and I had to repack it. But like I remember, you know, of course, not living on this island. You know, that's, that's significant, um, having to get off the island. Uh, when everyone was told to stay in, you know, mm. what, what, you know, and I was, I was, I remember jumping in the car and heading, it's only 45 minutes from Clandudno to Hollyhead for the ferry uh, to Dublin. But, you know, I'm thinking, will it even be on? You know, yeah, you yeah. know, will I yeah. even get it? You know, will I be allowed to, you know, do I need to test? This, this was all of these questions. If you remember, all these things were up in the air. Uh, and um, just remember putting the foot down and, and, and you know, flying to, to <laughs> Hollyhead. Um, and um, yeah, was, was allowed, obviously on the boat and went back, but, had no idea. I remember. I remember checking out at the hotel, um, saying to the guy at the, at the desk, saying, uh, "Like, I'm going to check out now." And uh, like, he was like, "Oh, you're you're meant to be booked for the week." I was like, "Yeah, no, you know this, the pan, the, this thing that's coming." And they were like, "Ah, oh, yeah, no, that won't that won't last. What a ridiculous thing to do!" And this, that, and the other. Haven't <laughs> seen the guy for two years. Yeah. Little, little did we know. <laughs> little did we know. And then goats took over the town. They did. I did know there was the videos everywhere that, that goats actually took over the town, which was hilarious. By the they way. still come down as well. <laughs> they do, yeah, 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 they yeah, still yeah, come yeah, down and have a little wander around. I think I saw one in Starbucks this morning, um, <laughs> or somebody who needed a shave. I'm not sure, one or the other. Uh, but yeah, it was. You know, uh, I've got better memories of Glendon. Yeah, I have to say, I, I have as well. It's, it is a beautiful place. Um, we're very, very lucky to be here. This Welsh Open for me is probably the the most crucial or, or the most significant Welsh Open I think there's ever been, okay? And I'm going to back that up because at the start of the week this week, there was 11 players still in with a shout of the Bet Victor Series bonus of £150,000, okay? So 11 players came here still in with a shout of that. Now, Ali Carter is still at the top of that list. He is still up there, but he's out. So the way that plays out now, there's there's four players in. Ali Carter, who's, who's at the top of the list, but he's out. There's Mark Allen, and if Mark Allen beats Robert Milkins today, Mark Allen wins £150,000, okay? Bear in mind, first prize here is 80000 So it's a, big, it's a big whole bonus. It's worth nearly two home nations. So if he beats Rob Milkins today, he wins the £150,000 Bet Victor Series bonus. If he doesn't, Rob Milkins could still win it, and so could Joe O'Connor. Um, I think Joe O'Connor needs to win the final and for Mark Allen to lose today, for him to get it. So that match this evening is huge, absolutely huge. And we just talk about, without being too crass, you know, if we talk just purely about the money for a moment, like there aren't many matches you play all season throughout your career worth more money than that. You know, how many matches carry a bigger prize than that potential match? I mean, I know the, the, the world final, that's half a million, the winner and the Masters and the... You know, fair enough, but like, what's the, you know, what's the, what level are we talking about? It's just incredible, isn't it, to think that you know he could be winning that type of uh, that type of money for for for. for the, but you know, listen, those 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 little ranking lists they reflect accurately. You know, who've been the performers in those events, don't they? And fair play. Um, will Mark Allen buy a round of drinks in? You know, if if he wins the bonus, that's the question. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to pin my hopes on it. That you know. Tighter than two coats of paint. Well, just just on money. Tighter than a submarine door. These are these are phrases that get used, um, you know, around Mark Allen. We have following. Wouldn't give a door a bang. Uh, These are all. You should consider introducing him with one of these phrases, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't give a door a bang. Mark (laughs) Mark Allen. Allen. 
they're all true. We have actually had a question in from a listener um, following your 145, then 147 last night. The question is coming from uh, Elliot Slesser, who lives in the northeast of England. Um, he says, how do you feel about taking two and a half grand out of both his pocket and David Gilbert's? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I actually told him that he would only waste it on haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was harsh. Um, it happened to you at the English, didn't it? To me a couple of weeks ago. It happened to me in the World Grand Prix two weeks ago. I was there, I was there, for, the, uh, I was there for the whole thing. Um, I lost in the semis to Judd, uh, and then I was due to go to Leicester for the, for the shootout two days later. So I was like, well, we'll stay in Sheldon for the day. Yeah. There's no point going to Leicester a day early. So... Um, my PA and I, we wandered it. We did a not not a pub crawl, but we went for a couple of drinks, and we ended up in a pub watching the, the snooker to a finish. And um, we walked in the pub uh, with about four frames to go. I've got the the high break of the World Grand Prix in the bag. It's ten grand. It's in the bag. Let's have a drink. Ordered a pint, sat down, and I think Judd equaled the high break. Equaled my high break. So that that drink cost me five grand. I've now gone from ten grand to five grand, so I felt fair enough. Like I've obviously got to the semis; it's been another good week, and I got a little five grand bonus. That's fine. Two frames later, Mark Allen's beat the high break. Been in the pub fifteen minutes. <laughs> the round cost me ten thousand pounds for two drinks and a highest break. So, no, I, Elliot, tough luck. I can't say on here what you messaged me after that either because we'd never be allowed to record a podcast again because it's not repeatable. But it's fair to say you were not a happy magician, were you? Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so there's that. There's, there's the Bet Victor series bonus, £150,000. That match tonight's massive, okay? Mark Allen, Rob Milkins is massive. Will Mark buy a drink? That remains to be seen. No, no, he won't. Also this week, though, the Players' Championship qualification as well. Huge talking points. Some huge names are missing out on that as we stand currently. Neil Robertson, I think, defending champion. He won't be the defending champion because he's not going there. He's not going to be there um, on the performances so far this season. And so far, Ronnie O'Sullivan's missing out as well. Well, I've got the list in front of me, and you're absolutely right. Uh, You know, O'Sullivan, world champion, world number one. But uh, in 21st place, as we speak, on the one-year list, which, of course, these events are taken from. But I was thinking, like, obviously, he's had massive tip troubles this week. You know, his tips come off three or four times. I mean, it's just never happened to a player before. It would happen to Ronnie, wouldn't it? It's incredible. Yeah, Things yeah. just seem to happen to well, Ronnie. Last night, he seemed, to be, he seemed to be messing with his feral. I don't know if there's a... The, the feral, the, the metal collar that's underneath the tip, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, he seems to be playing with that last night as if there's a problem with it. Now, whether there is... Or whether it's in his head, whether it's psychological, he's had a couple of tips come off. Therefore, you know, have I got a problem? Is it going to carry on? I don't know. Um, but he's, he's certainly playing with his mind. Oh, yeah, and it would do. You know, I mean, I, I had a tip come off in an exhibition. Um, funny enough, the tip that's on my queue right now uh, had been on a couple of days and it came off during an exhibition. Somebody walked past me and shoved into my arm and my hand went up the queue and flicked the tip off. Oh, I remember you saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. I stopped the show and we had to stop for half an hour to put it on. That's the other thing. You get 15 minutes at tournaments to repair the tip if yeah. it comes off. It's not really long enough. No. But, of course, we live in a, a you know a broadcast world of instant news and stuff. <laughs> You know, people don't want to wait that long. And, but 15 minutes, like, isn't really that long yeah, to put, yeah. a, put a tip back on. But what I was going to say about O'Sullivan is, um, to give him credit, because he's come here this week knowing he needs a run to make it to Wolverhampton. Yep. 
Uh, and currently, you know, he's still in the event in the quarterfinals. And as I say, he's at 21st place. He needs, a, I think he needs a couple more wins uh, to, to, to get into the 16 and, and book his place at uh, the Players' Championship next week. Um, but, you know, has had a quiet season by his stretch, certainly in ranking events. Um, obviously won those two big invitation events out in Hong Kong and the Champion of Champs, but they don't count. Yep. Uh, and uh, to come here needing a result and to still be in the event, fair play to him, yeah, uh, and especially with what the trouble he's had. So, you know, you can say what you like about him, but um, great player, the greatest yeah. of all time, and, and, and playing well this week. But, cool. yeah, it's an interesting race to, uh, to next week. It's not a done deal just yet. There's still a few places. Mark Williams uh, currently at 16th, uh, living, looking, by the, looking living, living by the skin of his teeth, currently at 16th. Um, but um, it's nice, I have to say, uh, I'm going to put my most smug face on. Uh, having missed out on the events for the last couple of seasons, uh, it's nice to to be safe. I'm, I'm only, I mean, I'm 12th uh, as we sit here now, so I'm in, but uh, you know, not by much. Um, but uh, happy that I'm not under it any is, of those stresses. It is one of the the weird peculiarities of snooker, isn't it? That we're at an event this this weekend finishes on Sunday. There's another event that starts on Monday, and we don't yet know who's playing in it. It's one of those really weird things. I remember when when Jordan Brown won the Welsh Open. Um, he had the, the black, you wear a black shirt for, for these events, but of course for the Players' Championship, you wear um, bow tie and, and waistcoat. And it's fair to say Geordie wasn't expecting to win the Welsh Open and therefore qualify for the Players' Championship, but that's what he did. And he had to, to get in touch with his girlfriend to FedEx him a waistcoat <laughs> over a white shirt. I think he bought a white shirt, but FedEx him a waistcoat over because he didn't have it with him because he wasn't expected to go there. So they, they sort of had to courier that across straight away. And and then he had to get from um, Newport, where that was played, over to Milton Keynes for the, for the Players' Championship, where he got uh, absolutely battered. But I think it was John Higgins who battered everyone that week. Um, he was just in incredible form, but... It's a real weird thing about snooker, that, isn't it? That we've got an event starting on Monday, we've got one finishes on Sunday, and it could be the result on Sunday that dictates who's in there on Monday. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. I mean, it, you know, it is similar to the, the FedEx in golf where, you know, those reducing field events towards the end of the season, it's a moving target. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a movable feast. Players are in one, they're not in the next one. And you don't know right until the cut. Of course, golf event finishes on a Sunday, it doesn't start till the Thursday. So it's not quite the same. But, of course, this was Barry Hearn's vision when he created this series, and it was it was all about creating talking points and interest. We wouldn't be sat here talking about it had he not have created the, the, the series in the first place. Um, I've seen a lot of criticisms about these events. Of course, it's just it's opportunities, isn't it? Uh, and players like Jordan Brown, you know, he, he won the Welsh, got in it. Yeah, it was a problem. Uh, one he had to overcome, but uh, probably he'd much rather. What a nice problem oh, to have. Lovely problem to have. What yeah, a problem, problem to have, to have that have, is. Yeah. Uh, so fair play to him, and he overcame it, as would anybody. Um, did well to get something sent from Northern Ireland yep. into the in mainland uh, Britain, uh, especially with the <laughs> problems there is around stuff like that. Um, so he did well to, to overcome that problem. But yeah, I mean, what a nice problem to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's 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 just one of those. I'm sure he'd, uh, he'd do it all over again if he could. I'm absolutely certain. Um. So yeah, Welsh Open at the moment is live on BBC Wales, the BBC Red Button, and on Eurosport as well. It's it's one of those tournaments that's that's available pretty much everywhere. Quarterfinals today, Friday, semi-finals tomorrow on Saturday, and then the final on Sunday. I know you'll hate me for mentioning it, but if you do get to the final, we're going to see the moonwalk. I, you know. I'm a man of my word. Right, okay. 
Uh, yeah, you said you can do a parachute jump. I'm still not convinced. Oh, yeah, no, you can no, 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 yeah. Well, listen, when you watch me jump out of the plane, you'll go, fair play to Murphy. He wasn't yeah, strapped yeah. in, but uh, he kept his promise. No, um, I, I'm a man of my word. And uh, if I'm in the final of a ranking event, I'll be moonwalking into the arena. Right, okay. So there you go. So you, you've heard it here. If he gets there on Sunday, I'll be introducing him out. And you know what? I'll, I'll be giving you the biggest cheer in that whole arena if you do do that as well. Um, no, I've not actually asked you about this. You, you're in a very good mood, clearly. You've got a 145, 147. Have you got a rant for me this week or not? Or are you in too good a place right now? Uh, well, I mean, I've had a few weird things happen to me this week. I had a rant prepared for when we were originally recording at the weekend, uh, which was about the substrate of human beings who put rappers back in boxes of Quality Street. You know, you dig in, like my little boy, not Stan Moody, my actual <laughs> little boy, Harry Murphy. And Harry, you'll be listening to this in years to come, I hope, son. I'm talking directly to you now. Why do you put the rappers back in? You haven't got this from me. Have you got it from your mother? I'm not sure. This, this It's an embarrassment. But, um, you know, I was going to rant about people who put rappers back in sweet packets. I think after this week, I'm going to rant. If I'm going to rant, uh, I'm not going to have, like, the proper rant, I don't think. But um, the bloody seagulls here, by the way. Right. Now, let, I, I had to talk about it. Right, let's, let's, Animals we'll, stealing food. We will leave the rant, all right? The, the rant will make a return on the next Ridiculous. Let's talk about seagulls. Now, I've got a slightly different twist on this. Now, for anyone that hasn't read the newspapers this week, um, Sean, rather bizarrely, put a Terry's chocolate orange. Oh, hang it's on. not Terry's, hang it's on. Sean's. You put it on your windowsill to In- chill. First of all, ingenious. Who on earth does that? All right, right? Hang on. let's who pause there. That? Let's stop there. Let's stop there. You're in a hotel room, doesn't have a fridge. You want to have chocolate in the fridge. As all civilized people agree, chocolate belongs in the fridge. We can agree on that? No. Oh, dear. Carry on. Anyway. How am I to chill the Terry's chocolate orange in the hotel room? How am I meant to chill it without a fridge? So anyway, so Sean put it on his windowsill to chill. Came back. The chocolate orange is gone. He assumes it's been stolen by one of the pesky seagulls, of which there are many here in Tlandidno. It is fair to say it made the national news. <laughs> what? What? Can, can you do anything without making the newspapers, Murphy? For God's sake, right? It made the national news. I've got one word to say to you, Sean. Robert. Now, Robert is Sean's PA. He's, he's discussed on this podcast quite a lot, okay? Um, Robert is, how can I describe him? He's, he's maybe not the physically fittest specimen in the world. Put it this way, he's not a person that I would rule out of eating an entire Terry's chocolate orange. I mean, neither am I. I you know, <laughs> Or me. <laughs> I want to put that out there. I have been known to have a segment and then run out. Uh, yeah, you are not the first person to point the finger at uh, young Robert. Um, if my room wasn't on the third floor of this hotel, I'd be pointing the finger at him as well. You know, if he wanted a chocolate orange that badly to scale the hotel and take it off my window ledge, I would have just bought him one. But um, I love how you, you you talk like you don't have a twin room for the pair of you. And I love how you talk like that. It's I, I've got you two as father t- in Father Ted. Yeah. You know, with with Dougal next to each other in your twin beds. Is that not how it is? No. Is that you've a camera installed in our room? Absolutely. Well, yeah. no, no one wants that. Nobody <laughs> needs to see that footage. That footage gets deleted every night. I'm looking forward to seeing him later on when you're playing. Actually, you're out right there, Robert. Ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> Oh, no. 
Yeah, no, listen, nobody likes to blame Robert for things more than me. He gets blamed for a lot on the tour. Things that, you know, aren't his fault. But, I, you know, they're not my fault, so I'm going to blame him. I, I can't, uh, with a clear conscience, blame him for this. It was those pesky seagulls. I've scoured the uh, ground floor of the hotel outside. <laughs> Somebody looked at me the other day and thought, what's this nutcase doing outside looking in the drains? I was looking for the thing. If it might have just fell off. It didn't just fall off. The seagull took it. That's the end of it. They're up there with the mountain goats of Clandudno sharing my chocolate. Um, it's a travesty. That's what it is. It, it's a, it's a, and rightly so it was in the national. It's a national travesty. I'd just like to say, Rob, Robert, if you are listening to this, um, while Sean's playing later on, if I'm meeting the players' lounge, we'll uh, yeah, a bit of chocolate together like normal. That'd be wonderful. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Now, <laughs> I can't believe you made the national newspaper accusing Seagull. I was in Minehead, you know, for the darts at Butlins uh, a few years ago now. And we'd, we'd done the darts Thursday night. And it's fair to say, we do the show and then we, we finish and we, we tend to have a... A drink or two. Do you have an alcoholic beverage? I, mean, I have an alcoholic beverage. Just to wind down. Just, just to wind down. Just to down. take the edge off. Yeah. Fair play to you. Yeah, only three or four hours worth. I suppose but it's anyway, like work, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's like work. It's like work, exactly Fair it enough. is. And at the end of a dart show, I've got catching up to do, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Deep, deeply disparaging to the dance yeah, professionals. I'd had one or two drinks, and the next morning I got up and I, I felt as rough as a bear, it has to be said. Well, and you had two shandies. Yeah, two shandies, and that's my limit, as you know. And I went inside the, the main bit. I thought, I need, to, I need some sustenance here. So I went and bought sausage making sandwich, right? Big, proper, dirty sandwich. Red or brown sauce? Red sauce. I'm not that poor. And Goodness. I came, <laughs> came out. I took one bite of this sandwich, and a seagull flew down and took it straight out of my hand. It left me with half a piece of bread. <laughs> no word of a lie. Half a piece of bread. It's one of the most traumatic, scary things you can ever imagine, right? And not just that, of course, it's a darts weekend at, at Butlins, so it's just full of people, and there's just blokes laughing at me as I'm there going, oh, with this half a piece of bread in my hand, and my butty's gone. Now, yeah, it was quite scary. I was actually more upset I'd lost my butty, no, if no, I'm honest. Absolutely. Seagulls are brutal. Well, I didn't, I didn't tell anyone this. Um, last week in Dublin, um, practising away, Lunchtime, I've, I've gone for now. Obviously, since my gastric surgery, I can eat, you know, nothing. That's why I was annoyed about the Terry's chocolate orange because that was going to last me the week. Um, <laughs> I used to do two of them in a session. Now I can do one a week. But uh, I've gone out for lunch, I've gone to a coffee shop, a little coffee, a little chocolate treat, and I'm walking back up Grafton Street. Didn't see Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Got near the top of Grafton Street near Stevens Green, and I saw this seagull. Coming in low flying, I thought, he's a danger. I'm on the phone. And as this seagull's flown over me, he's done what can only be described as the world's largest crap. (laughs) And I've seen it in slow motion. He's it's released about ten feet before I can see it. And I can't get out of its way. It's like it's like a heat seeking missile. And it's hit me half on the left cheek. Half on my left lapel of my jacket. And if you if you tell me now that it smelled slightly chocolatey and of orange, I know you're making this up. The, I, <laughs> I, I wish I was making this up. There are people who saw me who were wetting themselves at the top of Grafton Street. It would have made a comedy moment. It was brilliant. Now, just want to go back to your, um, was it Minehead, did you say? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. Minehead, yeah. What day was this? 
It was a Friday morning. Friday morning. Last Friday morning? No, 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 no. It was oh. this, this last year. Because there was a Friday recently where Robert, he did go missing. <laughs> I'm just wondering if he's in cahoots with these these seagulls. Well, uh, do you think he has like a flock of a flock of seagulls? A flock of seagulls that he sends out to get him food. They're like his deliveroo. Do you know, I walked in his room the other day. I'm sure I caught him watching the birds. Could have been. I'm sure he was watching the I'm birds. I'm worried about him. I'm, I'm getting concerned. Yeah, no, he's... Um, yeah, do you know, maybe maybe I need to have a bit of more of an in-depth... Oh, go through his rubbish in his room or something. Well, we, I think we need to have a word. Anyway, slightly odd podcast this week, okay? we've There's been no rant. There's been no listener questions. We've, we have got your questions. We will, we will ask them on the next podcast, I promise. We are coming up to the hour. I've got to go to the venue. And get ready to announce Sean out against Yuan Sijun because he's he's playing at uh, at midday today. Sean's going to get on the practice table before people start accusing you of doing things on match days that you shouldn't be doing. Um, but people we, don't do that. No one, no one's no mentioned one that. Ever no does one's that. ever accused me of doing anything that I shouldn't be doing on a match day. But we will stick to one podcast tradition before we go, and that is the pointless question. The pointless question this week is: Would you rather have an elephant's trunk? Or a giraffe's neck. No, Bill. Sean. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Would I rather have an elephant's trunk, i.e. on my nose? Oh, yes. 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 Or the neck the size of a giraffe? A giraffe's neck. Mm. Um, well, just thinking purely for snooker, like the trunk would get in the way. You know, you'd be down on the shot, it'd be on your cue, it'd just be... They're dangling away, wouldn't it? Yep. So, I think purely uh, for that, and so I could um, then claim to be as tall as Ben Mertens. Um, <laughs> I'd go for the giraffe's neck. Well, what about I'm, you? I'm also going giraffe's neck for one reason, and one reason alone. Okay, I am going giraffe's neck because then what I can do is follow you round on tour and steal your chocolate oranges off your windowsill. Are we allowed to swear on the pod? No, we're not allowed to swear on the pod. That is an hour. That was the 147 podcast. Wherever you listen to the podcast, please give us a like. Please subscribe to it. We're all over social media at 147pod. That's the words at 147pod. We hope you've enjoyed it. It's been great to actually be face-to-face to do a podcast for a change. And, uh, yeah, Sean, all the very best. You've got the quarterfinal today. If you win that semifinal tomorrow, and then final on Sunday. Make sure you're watching. If he's in the final, there will be a moonwalk. And uh, yeah, you've got to be feeling good after last night. And polishing those shoes. So you should do as well. Thank you ever so much for listening. We'll see you again very, very soon. That was the 147 podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you enjoyed what you've just listened to, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's all words at 147pod. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.